episode of the Paddock Pass podcast is brought to you by Renthal Street. From race to adventure, custom to naked, look no further than Renthal Street for handlebars, clip-ons, chains, and sprockets. Hello and welcome to the Paddock Pass podcast brought to you by Renthal Street. Check out renthal.com and the Fit My Bike tool to be able to see all the parts available for your motorcycle. On today's podcast, we've got a very special guest. We've got Justin Marks, the owner of Trackhouse Racing MotoGP, the newest team on the MotoGP grid. And uh, Justin joined us for 20 minutes. And uh, Adam, Neil, it was a really good chat. But Adam, I thought probably the most interesting thing was to become a guest on the Paddock Pass podcast, he felt the need to buy a MotoGP team. <laughs> Apart from that, Steve, I think we can tell by the absence of David Emmett on this particular show that uh, your talk about car racing and NASCAR with Justin just obviously filled him full of disgust and he wanted nothing to do with this particular podcast. <laughs> that sounds about right for Dave, but we're also recording this at nine o'clock in the morning, so that's probably a bigger factor. Neil, um, for you, the, the chat with Justin was quite interesting because we covered a lot of ground in the course of 15 minutes. We did, yeah, exactly. Um, an interesting guy um, with big, big ambitions, as you, you're about to hear. Um, definitely has, uh, definitely looking at this as not just a, a short-term plan, sees this as being a sort of mid to, to long-range partnership with, with MotoGP and with Aprilia. And um, yeah, is even, I think, setting himself and setting the team fairly high aims, lofty aims for 2024. I think there are two positive things from this. Uh, one that, you know, this guy has extensive experience in racing and, and overseeing race teams. So that means he's not somebody who's fresh uh, to the sort of idiosyncrasies, if you like, of, of running um, a high level racing outfit. I think that bodes well for the future. It's not some sort of sponsor that's coming in and, and really like we see with a lot of maybe premier sort of football clubs, not really having any idea of how to run an operation. The second thing is, I think just the change, the, the slight uh, difference of ownership on the MotoGP grid is something encouraging. Neil, correct me, but uh, maybe the last kind of significant American squad we saw on the grid was Kenny Roberts and his kind of infrastructure. I don't really recall there being anything else similar uh, in the past and just having that kind of slightly eclectic uh, mix to the grid is a positive thing as well yeah i think it's really positive adam i think it's one of those things where it's great to get new ownership and we're in a similar situation in world superbikes with mark vds coming into the championship and to have entrepreneurs decide to invest in championships is really important it's too easy for manufacturers to lead all that investment and that's what makes it really positive whenever you have someone coming in from the outside and you know you mentioned it about the fact that for Justin he's got some experience of running race teams a very different environment but he's had to learn from the ground up for that he was a racer he raced cars raced in NASCAR raced sports cars whatever you want to look at and then to give yourself the chance to move into team ownership try and make that successful they were successful the last two years and now to come to MotoGP, I think that this is something that's really exciting. It's a little bit um, reminiscent of the CRT days, whenever you'd have teams coming in and you were waiting to see what they were able to do. MotoGP is obviously a different beast now, so they should be very competitive with the Aprilia package, and that's only going to be a good thing. Yeah, and I think Justin obviously has a history in, in car racing, well, you know, racing NASCAR, um, owning the NASCAR team. But his his two wheel credentials seem to be pretty pretty decent. You know, he was telling us that um, he was uh, a MotoGP fan from the first days of, of MotoGP at uh, Laguna Seca, which was what back in two thousand and five. Um, 
I asked him about the future of Americans in MotoGP and whether that could be a, something that he envisions for his squad, you know, basically a place where American talent can show off their abilities in, in, in the premier class of racing. And he gave an, a, he gave an answer which indicated that he, he knows very clearly and very intricately what the situation is with uh, with the sport. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like he's coming in as some kind of naive newbie. He, he sort of knows the deal at the moment. And um, he has a couple of advisors or people um, that he's working with around him. He mentioned that he was speaking with Ben Spees. You know, these are guys that obviously know the sport inside out and um, that should only really help um, this project as it, as it kind of takes off. Yeah, I think one of the things that was interesting from that as well, Neil, was that... Uh he wasn't saying we're going to have an American on the grid. It has to be the right American. And that's puts a fire under Joe Roberts. Joe's obviously going to go back to American racing in Moto2, but he needs to prove that he's able to make that step to give himself a chance of a MotoGP seat. There's going to be no guarantees that it'll be an American. And that is a good thing. You're there to be competitive. You're there to win. You're there to be the best that you can be for your sponsors. And you have to put the best riders available on your bike. For me, one of the most interesting parts of the interview was the time frame that he spoke about. I think we saw the team presentation and we say this to him that, you know, it was pre impressive how they got that all put together so quickly. I mean, even quite a, a bright bike livery to show off. I mean, whether that actually is the design of bike we'll see in 2024 remains to be seen. But, you know, he gives some idea of the scope and the process of, of getting everything turned around. And, you know, during a season, as journalists, we kind of hear rumors, we sort of learn of stories and things going on. One of the big narratives from 2023 was about KTM and having five riders for four grid slots and their kind of drawn out bid, really, to try and get another space on the grid. Um, Dorna remained steadfast in that. They said, you know, we're keeping those slots open for somebody else. And it turns out that, you know, Justin admits he came to the paddock for the first time in the summer, uh, a Red Bull ring. And you don't really know about these kind of conversations and movements and gestures going on behind closed doors. And, you know, perhaps Dorna just sniffed the opportunity to have a high profile American effort on the grid. And, you know, that obviously wouldn't have really existed if, if RNF had stayed in place and they'd given extra slots to KTM. So uh, behind the scenes, it is quite a complex chess match or uh, just a kind of game of spinning plates going on so it's um it's just interesting how this stuff turns out yeah and it seems as though he's put the whole operation together in uh, as little as eight weeks which is a pretty remarkable feat so um yeah i have a question for steve obviously steve you pay much more attention to car racing than uh, both adam and i um what impact did uh, justin marks have in nascar both as a driver and as a team owner I think it's fair to say that by paying any attention to car racing, I pay more attention than both of you. So that that's a fair <laughs> point, Neil. Um, Justin was he was a he was a good sport. He was a good sports car driver. He did well in the ARCA championships. He raced in the top class in NASCAR, but uh, he was mostly a road course racer than uh, an oval racer. So that became one of his his bigger specialties. He did a full season in the secondary tier, so the Moto Two equivalent. And uh, that was actually for the Chip Ganassi racing team. And that's the team that he ended up buying. And I think it's fair to say that he's had a much bigger impact as a owner rather than as a driver. They came in two years ago. Chip Ganassi was a top class operation in IndyCar and Kart in the 90s. They were the ones that ran Alex Zanardi and all, all those drivers had a lot of success. And uh, it's one of those situations for that team that when they moved to NASCAR... They were good. They had Juan Pablo Montoya. They had, you know, good good drivers and had some good results. 
But uh, in 2023 and 2022 as Trackhouse, they had a lot of success. And uh, they had uh, Ross Chaston finish second in the Cup Championship the year before last. And then last year, they ran a lot of one-event runners as well. They had uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, the V8 supercar driver from Australia, came in, won in his debut. So if you're able to put in a rookie and win in NASCAR, then you're really putting together a good operation. And I think that's what we've been able to see from Trackhouse. So I think for Justin, it's a similar situation coming into ORNF. You're buying a going concern. You're probably going to keep a lot of the team together. At least you're going to keep your your rider lineup together. And I think that gives them a good basis. Yeah, he's already said that he's, you know, put in the FaceTime with Ralph Fernandez and Miguel Oliveira. You'd kind of assume that there's not going to be too many wholesale changes behind the scenes when it comes to the sort of the makeup of the team. But I'd just love to see how uh, Trackhouse might bring some NASCAR influence into MotoGP. Uh, NASCAR is obviously massive in the US. Uh, I've been reading some articles recently that the series have been looking to attract a younger demographic, younger race fans trying to become more relevant. They're also a series that I believe just from my lukewarm knowledge that they've changed or they messed around with the format over the last few years. I just, I, you, I wonder what the bike will look like next year. I mean, could it have monster energy branding on it? For example, um, what kind of other sponsors, curious sponsors in the U S people perhaps looking for the next, um, formula one boom, um, in another motorsport. Um, Justin Marks correctly identifies MotoGP as a spectacular sport. And, uh, it just means there's another party, another kind of power, another, uh, collective of thinking of how to sort of leverage this whole thing and maybe make it bigger in one particular market. Yeah. I think NASCAR is still seen as redneck racing by a lot of people, but that has changed over the last 15, 20 years. And it's changed because you look at the you look at the cars, you look at the sponsors, everyone's a blue chip sponsor. There's nothing that isn't Fortune five hundred companies on the side of their cars. So you could well have it where a lot of those sponsors become interested to get involved in something different, particularly because the cost for getting involved in MotoGP is a lot less than the cost of being involved in the Cup Series. And the big reason for that is, as an independent team, when you get your travel, when you get your, your help from Dorna, it does make a big difference to parlay a lot of the costs. So I think it is going to be interesting to see who they're able to bring in and just how things are going to be a little bit different because they will approach things from a different angle. And when you look at the people that are involved, like that we know from the MotoGP side, Jeremy Appleton from Alpine Star is very well respected from a very long career working with them. He's worked with Triumph then in Moto2. So they've been able to bring in some of the right people. And you'd imagine Dorn has been instrumental in, in that. Yeah, you're right, Steve. I think there are, you know, obviously key people involved in Trackhouse um, Racing MotoGP as well. Uh, you cited Jeremy and um, he was sort of instrumental in getting Justin on the show. So, uh, you know, yeah, let's let's hear what he has to say. Justin, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I guess we saw the team presentation and full props to that for getting it turned around so quickly. Uh, it's, it's amazing actually having the design of the bike and the whole kind of scope of that event done so fast. I mean, it was uh, incredibly impressive. I, I guess we know very well that MotoGP is a very spectacular show, but for you, what is the, the business or the commercial attraction to, to make the investment to get on the grid? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I, I am a listener of the Paddock Pass uh, podcast. I feel like I've sort of made it now that uh, so quickly <laughs> I've uh, I've been able to be on here. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, so I'll just run you through the story. I mean, you know, really, we've we've got this very successful NASCAR team in the U.S. and 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 we've had we've had a lot of great moments and 
you know, very quickly it became apparent to us that, that, you know, we're, we're sitting on a business here that that's got a lot of opportunity, I think, to scale across a lot of different motorsports around the world, being able to venture outside of America, you know, was important to us. And, you know, obviously our wallets aren't big enough for formula one today. And, and so we kind of just, we, we sort of went around and, and tried to experience a lot of different things. So I went to, uh, I went to the Austrian Grand Prix this year and, you know, was there for all three days, all day, all three days, just absorbing uh, everything that I could. And, you know, it, it was more in the context of seeing how a different championship does business and and to see a different group of fans and, and kind of a different business model to sort of get inspired around what international expansion looks like for Trackhouse. But, you know, as I met with Dorna, the Espaletas, and I met with Aprilia and, and a couple of these outfits here and kind of understanding the business model I immediately recognized MotoGP, MotoGP itself as being a tremendous business opportunity for Trackhouse, but I just didn't think that there was any way to get in. I mean, there's there was one person on the entire property at the Austrian Grand Prix that knew who I was, and so <laughs> I was I was really you know the newcomer there, and um, you know, but things happen quickly. And, you know, I went to Dorna and I said, you know, what would it look like if Trackhouse were to get organized and and get on the grid in MotoGP? And they said, you know, there's, there, there's potentially an opening in the championship. And it was all in the context of joining in 2025. Cause I said, all right, you know, I'll, I'll spend a year kind of learning the sport and bi building the business model and communicating it to our commercial partners in the United States. But they came back and said, look, you know, there's a spot on the grid, but it's, probably for 2024. So if you want to do this, it's got to be now or never. So then I looked at my calendar and went, okay, I've got eight weeks to put together a MotoGP team and and so much to, to learn. Um, but, you know, to get back to your, back, back to your question, I mean, it is, it is truly one of the remarkable spectacles in all of motorsports around the world. And I've been a fan of moto, uh, motorcycle racing for a long time, you know, growing up in California, I, I went to the MotoGP, the AMA races to begin with, you know, in the United States. And, and then, you know, went to MotoGP at Laguna Seca and at Indianapolis and, and kind of followed the sport and was a fan of it and always was just mesmerized and inspired by just how incredible the show is. Um, and then you compare that to, you know, the the business model, the economics of it, I immediately recognized this is one of the greatest values in the motorsports business globally. And so I became very motivated to to try to find my way in and, and, you know, luckily in this eight week period, we were able to pull the whole thing together. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's an incredible motorsports championship. It's an incredible experience in person. It's exciting to watch on television. And I'm glad the track house now has, is a part of it. I mean, you mentioned in the team presentation about, you know, having a bit of a background, like you said, in motorcycle racing, um, you know, following Nicky Hayden and also, of course, some of the great stars from the 80s and 90s, Wayne Rainey, Kevin Schwantz and, and the likes. I mean, that's pretty cool for fans to hear. But um, you mentioned just a very quick time frame of getting the team established. Can you just quickly tell us about that process? I mean, even from getting bike design initially done. And also, I think people want to know, is this just about kind of resurrecting the bones of RNF as well? Well, no, it's not really about RNF. It doesn't really have anything to do with RNF, even though it, I think in some ways it would appear that way. I mean, you know, the the big the big lift here was really getting ourselves aligned with an OEM, with a manufacturer. And, you know, we kind of looked at the landscape and determined that it was going to be pretty difficult to go with one of the Japanese brands. You know, KTM was well represented and, uh, you know, Ducati has a lot of a lot of bikes on the on the grid and Ducati's, you know, a pretty big machine in MotoGP right now. And so we just sort of gravitated towards Aprilia because, you know, they, they're it's a small group, but they're racers. They're they're a lot like us. We spent a lot of time with with Massimo Rivola and understood kind of what the 
the strategy for Aprilia was, what the strategy for uh, Piaggio above Aprilia was. And there were just so many consistencies and kind of the goals and what we we're trying to do and also how we're trying to work, uh, work together. So, um, you know, that was really, that was really the lift was getting to a place with Aprilia where they could assist in getting the competition operations of our team in order really quickly. And I mean, it just, it, it was kind of just by luck, I guess that, that there was a team in the sport that was exiting the championship and there was going to be a lot of people that were looking for work. And, and it's not a lot different than the way we started our NASCAR operation is that, you know, th there was, there was a team that was exiting the sport. We were able to keep a lot of people employed and keep working groups together and essentially just change the logo on their uniform and, and, um, really take advantage of the fact that they have a lot of history working together. The writers have already, you know, the writers have been working with those mechanics. So we just kind of went through that to that group of people and said, look, we're, we're going to take over this kind of open Aprilia spot that, that now has been presented. You know, would you guys come with us and, and make this journey with us? And every single person said yes. And so that, so we're really lucky in that and that we, we actually from a management and oversight standpoint, get to kind of plug into a group of people that have been working together already. Um, I had a, I had a, a call with a zoom call with everybody yesterday it was like 18 little tiny boxes on the zoom thing. And, and we all went around the group and introduced ourselves and our history and what we do for the team and where we're from. And everybody's just really, really excited. And I think it kind of funnels back to the fact that it's, it's, you know, it's unique that it's an American owned outfit that, um, you know, they've, they've been able to see the success that we've had in America and excited about kind of bringing that personality and attitude to MotoGP. And then the fact that, you know, Aprilia, is really excited about this partnership and and really willing to help uh, provide us with the tools that we need. I mean, I, I, I'm leaning on Aprilia really hard, just saying, look, in, in eight weeks, I can put a business together, but I can't build a race team from scratch in eight weeks. So I need help from you guys. And um, they saw the value in the partnership and jumped right in. And I also went to them and said, you know, I, I want to approach this not necessarily as factory and customer, but as partners. And, you know, willing to make the financial investment to uh, to try to get two twenty four bikes on the grid next year, you know, to really to really be an asset to Aprilia and an asset to their program. So, you know, instead of us being kind of siloed on our own, we're additive to what they're doing. And so instead of, you know, two factory bikes and two customer bikes, it's really kind of four bikes that are that are all consistent with each other where Aprilia can help us. But then we also have the data and the feedback and the, the riders and the mechanics are you know, working on the, the same material that, that Maverick and Alesha are on just to be able to double the data set and to be able to make the entire Aprilia effort in MotoGP just that much more competitive. Justin, one of the things I'm quite interested in for your team is going to be how you interact with fans and the commercial side, because I remember the first NASCAR race I went to was the Daytona 500 and obviously biggest race of the year for any NASCAR team. But I was blown away by all the little details there was. This was back in 2012 and everyone had all their social media tags, all our handles, all visible right from the get go. That wasn't the case in MotoGP then. When I've been back to NASCAR since, there's always been lots of little things that the teams do that you'd love to see bike teams do as well and to copy. Like when you look at it, like you talk about the potential for coming into MotoGP and a business opportunity and the value you can get from it. Like what 
do you really foresee bringing to the table from that regard? Well, I think it's probably a lot of the same. I mean, I think, you know, one of the one of the things that NASCAR does a good job of is we really open up our doors to the fans and to the world. And we really invite them into our lives and, and, and invite them into what it takes to be a NASCAR team. And there are so many exciting things happening in MotoGP and amazing big personalities that we really want to amplify that. So it's, you know, we've made big investments on the content side. I mean, we don't have a content person. We have a content team that's like nine strong of designers, graphic designers, content shooters, editors, producers, all of that, because, you know, we ultimately look at ourselves as an entertainment company. And, you know, what's great about MotoGP is the product on the racetrack is so good that I think we can bring really creative and authentic storytelling around that action on the racetrack and, and really, you know, engage deeply with the fans, like you said, on, on social media, you know, from a commercial standpoint, you know, you look around the MotoGP paddock and you look at these bikes, you know, there, there are a lot of companies that are pretty endemic to the motorcycle industry that are on these bikes. Obviously you have, you know, Red Bull and, and Monster and some of those, but you know, it's a lot of brands that have been in motorcycle racing for a long time. It's brands that are, that are, you know, that are repped and managed by motorcycle personalities. And, you know, I think if we, if really, really show this sport to the world, I think that we can invite big global brands into the sport that, that haven't been here before that are, that are doing business all around the globe. And not only can be, you know, good commercial partners of track house, but can really help amplify the sport and promote the sport around the world. So, you know, we're, we're in the middle of kind of doing our audit right now uh, of just sort of seeing kind of what the landscape is right now, but all the ingredients are there to, to really build an entertainment business here around track house that, that, you know, authentically and deeply engages with the fans and the partners and, and, and is a real um, partner and asset to Dorna in promoting this incredible sport to the world, especially in North America. And then one other thing as well, obviously you mentioned about the fact that when you took over the NASCAR team, it was a pretty similar situation. But one of the things that's quite interesting with that as well is you took on a team that had, you know, top top driver, Ross Chastain, you ended up finishing second in the championship in the first year with him. You've got something similar with two highly regarded riders. Was that something that made it even more appealing or was this you wanted to come in regardless? Well, I think we wanted to come in regardless. I think there was there were a lot of unanswered questions as to who the riders were going to be and who the OEM was going to be and who the mechanics and everything were going to be. But, but as this sort of other situation unfolded in the in the paddock, uh, you know, we started looking, going like that's probably our group of people. Like we have to kind of stand stand back a little bit and let you know whatever happened over there happen. Uh, but then when we were able to kind of start communicating with them and say, hey, you know, if you guys want to come work for us, you know, we've got this team over here. Uh, that's when we we started taking a real look at at Raul and Miguel, and you know it's exciting these two guys. I mean, I I went and had I had uh, dinner with with Raul in Madrid. I had lunch with um, uh, with Miguel in Portugal, and and you know broke bread with those guys and really got to know them. But I also I really like the obviously the passion, the dedication, the focus. You know, once once they understood you know what we who we were and what we're trying to do and what we're we're bringing the sport, how serious we are, but also just how much like racers we are. They got really excited about that. And, and, you know, it's, I've been down this path before with team ownership. I, I like that these two riders are, they're different from each other. I mean, we've got kind of the very cerebral sort of veteran, you know, type guy, Miguel. And then we've just got, you know, Raul is just what you say in America is just full of piss and vinegar and is just ready to show the world how good he is. And that's uh, that's really exciting because I think that you, you know, you really want, you want motivated riders. And I think that our job is, is to make sure that those guys know that they have support in the team all the way from the top and that we're fighting really hard to give them, 
you know, every opportunity for success is possible. And if the, uh, if the Aprilia bike is up to the task, I think we've got a great opportunity in front of us. I couldn't be more happy with the two guys that I've got. Justin, when you look at Aprilia's journey in MotoGP, even in the last five or six years, it's quite remarkable being basically the, the last manufacturer to now winning two races in a year, uh, challenging at the front fairly consistently. How, how far do you see them from being kind of consistent front runners in MotoGP? And also just another thing, they said at, towards the tail end of this year, when the RNF structure was still in place, that having another 224 bikes on the grid next year would maybe be too much of a stretch for the factory. That that has obviously changed. It's going to be a busy winter in Noali, you would have to say, for them getting everything ready and prepared for your team. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, it goes back to to when we were looking at the manufacturers and deciding sort of who we wanted to tether ourselves to. I mean, obviously there's a lot of very, very talented people at Aprilia and and they're developing great machinery. And they're a lot like us in that they're they are like you know, like I've said they're racers. That's what we say is that they they they're really dedicated to their craft, but it's a it's a relatively boutique operation. It's a pretty small operation, and you know that's kind of like what Trackhouse is. I mean, we're we're a boutique small operation at NASCAR, but but we all the parts and pieces we invest very very heavily in and and support, and it gives us an opportunity to be successful against what's perceived as great odds. Um, so we see a lot of that in Aprilia and. The trajectory. I mean, you you want to be on the front end of a wave. You know, you don't want to join something that's on the back end of a wave or something even that's really at the top right now. You want to kind of help help ride that wave. And I think the trajectory that Aprilia has. I know they're really excited about their twenty four bike. Um, you know that that we we can ride that wave and and you know I think as an independent team potentially uh, contend for wins. Um, you know, as far as getting the twenty twenty four bikes on the grid, I mean, you know, I think I think. Massimo Robola probably rolls his eyes a little bit when his phone rings and it's me because I'm like, where are we at? Where are we at? And because, you know, those guys are, they're working really, really hard, but they're also very motivated because they see the end game here and having four bikes on the grid that are all the current factory machinery and how amazing and additive that can be for the mission. It's going to be hard to have two 24 bikes at Qatar. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter is, is, you know, it's material sourcing work bandwidth supply chain it's just you know you can't just pay for it i mean it's people and it's work and so uh but they're motivated i mean and and i think you know i am confident that we'll have one on the grid at, at qatar and then the other one will will follow shortly thereafter um but uh you know like i said they're they're, they're going to do it as fast as they can it's just that this thing came together so late that we just needed everybody pushing in the direction we're just sort of doing the best the best that we can but also you know this is a this is a multi-year commitment. This is something where we're not just in here flashing the pan for one year or two years, something like that. We want to build something that's sustainable over time. And so, you know, if it takes us a few months to get both of our 2024 bikes, I think in four years from now or five years from now, it just we're going to see that it just didn't matter. Okay, that's interesting. Um, also, it's it's clear that an American team in MotoGP will help grow the profile of the sport in the States. Um, I'm just wondering, I know I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but a few years down the line, do you envision your team in MotoGP being somewhere that the biggest American talent can come and show his talents. Yeah. I mean, so I, I talked to Ben Spees about this yesterday for a while and just kind of trying to get an understanding from him of where the American talent pool is. I know we've got a few in Moto2 and, and there are some that are traveling with the championship right now. I mean, it's going to require, which is something that Trackhouse is motivated to do. It's going to require an investment at the entry level in America and really making sure that, you know, young, talented American writers that are coming up in America have a path and have an opportunity. And that might mean, you know, partnering with Moto America or creating a new class or leaning on Aprilia. I don't know what it looks like yet, but the fact of the matter is, is that we are, 
we're years away from it most likely uh, it, it's going to take it's going to take you know commitment um at at sort of all levels of the development ladder it's it's not really a lot different than what like you know americans right now that are coming up through karting that have eyes on going to formula one are sort of faced against right now it's sort of like what's the best path it's a little bit difficult to do you almost have to leave america at a really young age and go go kart racing in europe and just sort of come up through the european ranks but i think this will help i mean i think the fact that there is an american presence in moto gp will will hopefully shine a light on the talent that's coming up in America, but it's going to be a project and we're going to have to work at it. And we're, we're committed to doing it because I think for us at some point in the future, like the Holy grail is, is an American winning rider on an, an American owned team. It's like an exciting thing to think about, but it's just going to take time. We can't let you go without two more quick questions, Justin. Uh, do you ride on the road? If so, what's in the garage? Um, and also, you know, what Grand Prix next year you're most excited about? Is there a country or a circuit where you think, well, that's definitely on my agenda? I probably shouldn't say this out loud. I mean, I've 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 done a fair bit of riding in my life, but I don't have a motorcycle license. That's all going to change here <laughs> pretty soon. Uh, always been a big fan of it. I had dirt bikes in college. I had a Yamaha WR250F in college that I would go cruise around in the on the, the logging roads up in Northern California. And and you know, I, my buddy had a, um, a CBR600 Honda that that you know when I was in high school, he worked at a local municipal airport, so we'd we'd run up and down the runway at night in it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I look forward to um, you know to spending more time on a bike, going to track days, really sort of understanding how how a you know a racing motorcycle works. I I raced myself cars you know for 20 years, so I'm I'm excited about learning learning something new and and you know being able to talk shop with these guys. But you know, as far as next year goes. I would like to expose myself to a wide range of events. I mean, I, I think, you know, I won't just go to Europe or something like that. Obviously I've got a busy schedule, so I can't go to all of them, but you know, I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, go to a Magello and then compare that to a Thailand and, or go to a, you know, a Japan and compare that to Coda and America and just kind of get the full, the full experience. But, you know, France looked unbelievable this year. Um, you know, I would, that's one I'm looking forward to going to, uh, always want to go to Silverstone, obviously Magello, just the passion of the Italian fans, kind of a quasi home race for us because we're on the Italian, Italian machinery. So it'd be really exciting to go to, to Magello, um, with Aprilia, but you know, really I'm just, I'm going to try to try to experience as much as I can while still being a, a good husband and a good father and, and just kind of get a, get a full wide ranging experience of, of MotoGP. But um, I'm excited about just going all these different places in the world and just seeing, seeing all these incredible fans line the racetracks. Justin, listen, thanks ever so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in the paddock next year. Best of luck with all the preparation as well. I'm sure it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks and months um, ahead uh, to the Sepang test. But um, thanks again for coming on. Yep, appreciate it. Great to have Justin on the podcast and a big thank you to Trackhouse Racing MotoGP for organizing that. This is going to be our second last show of the year because next week we're going to be back with our MotoGP season review show. So keep your keep your eyes peeled on your podcast platforms for that. We'll also have a lot of content on patreon.com forward slash paddock pass podcast. If you want to become a paddock insider or you want to support the podcast, we'll be having a lot of content over the course of the winter on that as well.
episode of the Paddock Pass podcast was produced by David Emmett, Steve English, Neil Morrison, and Adam Wheeler. Music is provided by The Libertine. All inquiries can be sent via email to team at paddockpasspodcast.com.